The Diamondbacks' postseason hopes took a huge hit over the week as they were swept by the Dodgers in Dodger Stadium. We're going to talk about that series, the craziest waiver wire day in the history of baseball, followed by a debate about Jordan Lawler and whether he should be promoted. And then we're going to cap it off talking about a monumental achievement by an MVP candidate. All that on today's episode of the Snakes on the Diamond podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Snakes on the Diamond podcast. I'm your host, Michael McDermott. I'm joined here today by Wesley Byer. How are you doing today, Michael? Great. How are you? Uh, you know, as a as a D bag fan, I'm uh, I'm pretty bummed out, but the real reality check. But as a you know, not a Diamondbacks fan, I, I'm all right. I think most people can relate to that. So to kick off today's podcast episode, we're going to talk about the three game series against the Dodgers, the Diamondbacks weren't particularly competitive after the first four innings of the game of game one as they were outscored by the Dodgers 23 to five in the series. And in the final two games, they lost by a combined score of 16 to one. So Wes, what do you think is the case of this series? Is it a combination of the Diamondbacks not necessarily uh, doing the things that they were doing when they were, when they won five series in a row or is it a case of just simply the Dodgers are just very hot and they're just, rolling teams right now um i think it's kind of they were doing good like when i actually like 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 laughed look at the box score before the game game one ended it was they were winning and i was like oh all right that's you know looking good and then uh i, I actually i'd gone to bed thinking that they had won and then they you know clearly they've lost so yeah, that didn't work out great um i think it's kind of both the the dodgers are really they're a really good team. They're well constructed on every level. Like if, if you, if you're a Diamondbacks fan and you think that the they're a better team than the Dodgers, you, you, this is a real reality check. We may have, you know, beaten them up, you know, earlier in the season, but it's not the same team. And like they really, uh, they're much better. That's pretty much like what I got there. And then after that, after they gave guy. You know, they lost the lead in game one. Uh, and then the, it just seemed very, they seemed very deflated in, in game two and three. So you look at the uh, first game, the offensive heroics by Gabriel Moreno actually gave the Diamondbacks a 4-3 lead. He had a two-run double that scored Walker in the second inning of the first game. And then a go-ahead two-run homer after a Lourdes Gurriel Jr. RBI double in the fourth inning. And the D-backs had a 4-3 lead with Zach Gallon on the mound. And it looked like it might have held while Gallon was on the mound, but in his final inning, he got clobbered for two home runs and three runs in total. It was kind of, I guess you can say frustrating because the D-backs starting pitching staff got completely annihilated in this three-game series. Gallon allowed six runs in five and a third. Kelly, seven runs in five. And then uh, Brandon fought uh, six runs in four innings. That was definitely kind of an eye-opener. It's like, would you, like I said, asked if you'd like, you attribute that to maybe just the Dodgers just being very hot at the plate and Mookie Betts having a month for the ages, basically, a historically great month? I mean, what I was saying, I wouldn't be surprised last week or in the last podcast of why, like, you know, if they got swept. Uh, like, the, the main thing is they're a much better team. Mookie Betts is, like, literally the hottest player in baseball. He's, like, you know, looked like someone who, like, wasn't really in the mix for MVP to, like, front runner like he came from like literally is like well now he's like the point where he's laughing competition despite 
what we're you know going to talk about, like who we're going to talk about later. Uh, Mookie Betts is like he's generational talent, um, and like that's the thing we just don't really have players develop like for like a core develop that you know like the Dodgers do. Their pitching staff absolutely just shut down the D-backs offense. Yeah, after that fourth, four, uh, three-run fourth inning in Game One, they scored one run for the rest of the series. I mean, like a good a good pitcher, you know, starting pitching was on a nice little run of going deep in starts. Uh, I think that exposes one of the like I mean, like we've all we've questioned this all year of the. Uh, the pitching, the starting pitching is actually a weakness too. It's not as great as some people think it is. It's, I mean, Gallon is a good pitcher. I mean, he's you know one of the best in in the league. Merrill Kelly is, uh, I, I just said the rotation's better, their lineups better. They're they're this is like so many facets of the game. The Dodgers are just like better constructed than the Diamondbacks right now. Yeah, like, that's, no, why, that's why I wasn't. I wouldn't be surprised. That's why I wasn't surprised that they got swept. Is because like it, you know, like it's night and day the difference. Like, I mean, it's pretty much it. And like the, 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 they they took advantage of the starting pitching. That's like probably like that went from like being a solid Zach Allen and outing to a one of the worst of his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, San Fran fought. San, I don't know if that was his worst start in Major League, but uh, it's one of the certainly. Uh, I mean, it's nothing new. He pitched in Reno the last like year, like you know, year and a half. So. He's he's used to getting lit up like that. I don't think Gallon and uh, Merrill or Merrill Kelly are all that used to it. I think it's just one of those cases. Dodgers also very hot, and the D-backs got punished for every mistake they threw in the series. If they threw a fastball down the middle, they got conked for a home run. If they made, if they couldn't throw a breaking ball in the strike zone, they took it. It's just uh, just a magnet. It's kind of unfortunately that we've been saying it every year, but. It, Every series, every season series against Dodge kind of just proves the point of where the direction of where the two franchises are heading. You know, and, you, yeah. and there's a number of, of metrics that you can use to prove that. And that's very frustrating, I would say. When it when you look at that, and it's like the D-backs, even in a year, maybe. We could say the Dodgers were down for a bit. I wouldn't say it was a down year because, obviously, if we call, if we call this a down year, a down year is a 100-win pace. Yeah. And that's... uh. No, they they had a they had a a rough start. They had a slow start. That's lots of lots of teams who had. I mean, like the O one team, uh, had a rough start. There's lots lots of times it happened. You know, it's not that that never meant that they weren't a good team this year. And clearly, they're a good team. And yeah, organizationally, yeah, the Dodgers are just like constructed on a a different level where there's really not a flaw. And how this like the organization is built. I don't. I don't mean just like in terms of like like the you know the major league lineup and salary and the rotation and bullpen. I mean you go down to their their foreign instructional academies, uh, their scouting, uh, their instructions through the minor leagues. I like, I would argue that they are much better at developing players than than the Diamondbacks are, just because like I mean. They they haven't really had a position to draft like have high draft picks. That's what Those you know. Just... People you have to remember like they did. You've had a much better opportunity of like you know. I don't think the team's ready. I think that you do have a good group of players here. I don't think they're ready yet. 
and you look at uh, the Dodgers, the Dodgers lap everyone in the Latin American field, which makes up for the fact that they're always drafting near the bottom. And in recent years, they're actually dr- not drafting in the first round. They're drafting. They're getting pushed back in the draft. Although I'm not sure what the if they have to pay any extra penalties in the draft next year or not. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure how the CBA works with that. But they definitely uh, they're a, they're a disadvantage. Uh, like having a high payroll puts you at a disadvantage when you're like one of the highest. So once you go over, you know, a certain amount, uh, the Diamondbacks are, don't have ownership that's willing to invest that much into it. I mean, but they should be willing to invest in areas like, you know, like they, I, to, to their credit, they have invested a lot in the Caribbean and in Latin America to some extent, but uh, they are not taking advantage of it on the level that the, the Dodgers do of like literally at anywhere that plays baseball, They've got feet on the, you know, boots on the ground, you know, scouting players. Uh, they've got academies. Like it's all like literally, uh, the Dodgers cover the entire world in terms of their scouting and development, and that's uh, that's a big. I don't think the Diamondbacks are doing that. I also think it's a situation where the Dodgers are very good at turning high ceiling players into contributors because if you look at that and this is a good comparison you look at the 2020 draft and obviously you look at the 2020 draft and from dimeback standpoint they could have three potential starting pitchers in the rotation which is a good outcome but yeah. none of them are going to end up being as good as bobby miller will likely yep. end up being long term now and fought's probably the closest to bobby miller right now i would say because uh not, maybe slates a coney when he gets his when he gets his stuff ironed out I think Sacconi definitely is a mid-rotation starter long-term, but like when you look at Bobby Miller, right now Bobby Miller will be the D-backs' third-best starter, arguably second. Yeah, I Merrill be, Kelly. I, he looks he looked way better than Merrill Kelly. I mean, hmm. I mean there are there were a few positives uh, in that series, uh, like uh, the fact that Corbin Carroll homered off of Clayton Kershaw the second time this year. That's a that's a positive. Gabriel Moreno had probably one of the best games offensively of his uh, very young career so far in game one. Uh, the Carroll home run was in game two. Um, and, you know, like that was, those are the main thing is like, we do have a good core there with those two players. I mean, that's, I, I think uh, Moreno is almost like underrated to some extent at this point, just from like, you know, the fact that the, you know, the Toronto just wasted his rookie year and he's been, you know, out for, was he like out for six, six weeks like that this year? So he was basically, I don't think he missed that much time. I think he was out for, for like a month. He was not that long. Yeah. He was out but three I mean, weeks from July okay. 23rd to August 13th. So if you want to add, that's 36. Oh, okay. So that was a bad month and it just felt like, Twice as long. That's that's why because it was just a bad month. Thirteen days, um, but he was out. But, but he wasn't himself but, for three weeks before the injury either. Moreno would have would could you could arguably have put him, uh, in the top ten of prospects going into the season if he qualified. Well, he and was like, top ten like, prospect in his rookie year. Yeah, and he was, and I think people kind of you know it's kind of he's flying under the radar. We have a good player there, good having a catcher that like him very good foundation of having like if you want to build an organization like the dodgers it's like this so let's get let's get right to it you need to have more than okay so you have a couple you're good 
making out getting outfielders they seem to be very good at that uh they're <laughs> the Diamondbacks seem to be very good at developing outfielders uh and that's basically it uh i don't really know they're gonna work on everything else that's where we're at well we'll get to see we'll get to see pretty soon how they develop infielders like i said they'll have a top infield prospect coming up soon we're going to talk about that later in the podcast but let's move on from that awful series and we'll talk about how the deep um oh yeah we're going to talk about the waiver deadline i i blanked for a second but craziest day in mlb history on the waiver wire so to recap what happened there were nine players placed on waivers today six were claimed all three pitchers were snatched up by the cleveland guardians Harrison Bader and Hunter Renfro were claimed by the Reds, and then Seattle picked up former Diamondback Dominic Leone. The other three players, Carlos Carrasco, Mike Clevenger, and Randall Grichik, went unclaimed, so they'll stay with their original teams. Yeah, so, the, the fact that Angels uh, put a third of their major league roster, most of whom they acquired at the, the trade deadline for prospects, is like, makes this the worst uh like that's literally the worst trade deadline ever by the angels what they they try to accomplish this year uh it makes it even worse if you're an angels fan if they you know they could have they could have acquired uh a boatload of prospects for for the, the decent players on their you know and tawny and and trout and sold high on some of these you know, they probably not gonna move Trout, but I, you know, you know what I'm saying. They could have moved Otani. They wasted his, uh, basically wasted his walk season, and they they're not gonna get shipped for him. In fact, like this, this attempt has basically ruined their, uh, like their future. I don't know what the Angels are gonna do. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna tra- give Otani that kind of money. You know, I don't know what they're. I don't know what like they can't count on really any of it. Otani's only half a player for probably a year or so. Um, well, he's only half an Atani. So basically can't, they were can't do that now. Yeah. So they were able to, uh, shed quite a bit of salary. I'm not sure if that will be enough to get them under the luxury tax because that will have implications yeah. for if Otani leaves the angels. Yeah. Because then instead of a fourth round pick, it becomes a second round pick. If that means anything. And you probably need the higher draft capital anyway next year yeah i'm i i get the, i get the the read i mean yeah that's a you thank you for explaining that's the pretty much the only reason why they did that is to shed set, set enough salary to get under the the threshold in the cba to move the draft pick up so they at least get something for Otani. but uh it's uh it's going to be an interesting seeing what they do going forward uh we didn't i mean it's kind of a shame that uh the Diamondbacks are as good as they have. If they if they had been worse, they didn't go on this hot streak. We could have picked all those guys up. I don't think the Diamondbacks have necessarily pulled that kind of strategy before. Yeah, I, I don't I don't I don't know how they would. Uh, I don't I don't see the front office picking up all this the salary. It's interesting that both Cleveland the like Cleveland got all the. The, got three of the, the four out, pitchers. Or, yeah, three of the four pitchers, and the Reds got the the outfielders from them. And the weird thing is that once again, Lucas Giolito and uh, uh, what's his name, 
Ronaldo Lopez. We're going back to the uh, yeah. Ronaldo Central. Lopez. They're they're playing for the same team again. Back. They have not. The they have not. They have not played for two separate teams like this entire time. They've been traded. They've moved from multiple teams. They actually together. both started in this. They both were traded from Washington to Chicago. Yeah, and then they were traded to, to Anaheim, and now they're in Cleveland together. It would. I really hope that they at least like get along. They don't like hate each other. It's gonna be really awkward though. At this point. Hey, if we're lucky, maybe Corbin Carroll and Jordan Lawler get to be teammates for that long together. That yeah, hopefully all on the Diamondbacks. That's really uh, what I'm. I'm. I'm hoping. I don't know if they're really. It's it's interesting that. Uh, yeah, I really I don't know what the angles. Bizarre to me. It, it's pretty clear that the, the Reds made some. They need a little. I really they should have been the other way around. You know, you know, with uh, the Reds could have used that pitching, uh, and the Guardians could have used uh, the offense there. So I'm kind of baffled at this these waiver rights. It's, it's unprecedented for a team to shed to like a third of its players. So what from what I've seen all over Twitter with the uh, three pitchers that Cleveland picked up. Not only did Cleveland put a claim for these guys, but so did the Marlins, the Reds, and the Diamondbacks. All put in waiver claim. All put in claims for those three arms. Yeah, that, that, I, if, they, if they made it to the Diamondbacks, I would absolutely like be uh, unsurprised. The only reason why they didn't get, I would be surprised. I would be surprised and running around shirtless. No, I mean just the fact that they would put a, a claim on, on them. Um, I did not think that they would make you know make it that, that far down to the Diamondbacks. Like I said, if they, it'd be. I think we'd actually we we uh, leapfrog the Reds in in the, they didn't, the waiver order when we beat them. They didn't leapfrog San Francisco, not the Reds. No, yeah, well, if the, no. If the Reds beat us during the most recent series, I think we'd be lower in the. Or higher in the waiver order. Yeah. And I think so. I mean, it's kind of one of those things that unfortunately that uh, potential replacements didn't happen. But then they'd be or, two or, games or back of the wild card instead of one. Yeah. We're assuming so, that San Francisco can hold a 7 nothing lead with six outs to go. Yeah. Hopefully, San Francisco. Uh, I don't. I The Giants are so baffling to me that they're. Like, I did not – they were a team that I thought was having a down year. And they, they somehow seem to – like, that's the thing. You look at these other teams in the NL West, and I I mean, clearly we're better run than the Rockies. That's the main thing. Like, we've actually won the division, uh, unlike them. Uh, we've won a World Series. Like, we've – the Diamondbacks do have some, some uh, you know, quite a few accomplishments for such a young team. Uh, we do not have the history that – you know the the Dodgers do. The Dodgers have actually had a, like a very long history of like international scouting and uh, you know science. Like I mean, like you look just look at look at their history and the Hall of Famers that the Dodgers have produced from like Latin America uh, or you know guys like getting getting a Hideo no uh, yeah no, Chanho Park uh, Hideo no no going for those you know names when other teams weren't taking those risks. The Dodgers have had a long history of international scouting the giants the giants have two uh so like i mean a part of it i think is like their organizations are older you know the diamondbacks they don't have it they haven't been able to build on that 
I mean, a big fault of that has to be like late on the the ownership for not investing further into it. That's a big thing that I really think is the difference between the Diamondbacks and those two teams. Like clearly their coaching like coaching and player development is better when the, the Giants can, you know, spin spin gold out of out of shit. I don't know how they do it. Then you look at uh Yeah, and the Diamondbacks are just starting to build up a pipeline on uh international scout in the international field so obviously yeah. their 2022 class looks pretty good already we have two of them two of their prospects in the top 10 and the third in the top 15 most likely depending on what we depending on what i crunch the depending on when i crunch the numbers for each player i mean yeah that's the real like it's like that's the one strength they have had like if you look at uh I, I mean, I still, I still think Chris, Christian, like I was gonna say, Jazz Chisholm and Christian Robinson are good uh, examples in the scouting. And uh, where, where are they? Where are they from? I forget. Yeah, they're from. Are they from Jamaica? Is that, is that right? No, they're from okay. Bahamas. The Bahamas is right. Yeah, so they're they, they they do a good job scouting there. And uh, Venezuela, they've done a very like for a long time. Like you look at like uh, Carlos Gonzalez, uh, Montero, Montero. Yeah, Para, I was going to say, like, they've done really well scouting. Like, those are the two countries that they really have tapped into pretty well. Uh, they're, they're just now starting to, to tap into the type the you know, uh, Chinese Professional Baseball League. Yeah, with uh, Yuman Lin. Yeah, Yuman Lin. There was just some other players that they had signed uh, that haven't panned out, but, like, that's just one of those, like, they were position players. I don't think it's necessarily a comparable thing, but they're starting to get there. And that's SP the thing. If they're gonna, yeah, yeah. And if they're gonna, if they're, I mean, like, if you look at like Young and Kim, that's a good example. Like, they actually have looked at the South Korean uh, leagues like for a long time. Like, they rushed the, those, those three markets that I would say the Diamondbacks have done, uh, like average to above average in terms of like the the talent that they're extracting from from those countries. I. Uh, the Dominican Republic, I they they clearly have they have two Dominican summer leagues. Uh, yeah, the two DSL affiliates, two complex affiliates. So, like, I mean, some some teams don't even have a, a DSL uh, team. Well, they just have one. We get, we're fielding two, so that's another thing that, like, so like, I mean, you give ownership credit for that, but I don't know what else it's going to take for us to be better than the Dodgers because it's like it, other than. Uh, you know, you can't raise payroll. You can only do so much. Yeah. You know? You kind and of just... the Reno Aces are being beat by El Paso. El Paso is uh, the Padres affiliate. 9-1 to one in Reno, which is very a very Reno score. Yeah, it's Reno. The game's not over yet. Not over yet. That was a one-run score. So... Kind of just look, looking beyond. Uh, we look at Reno and obviously Jordan Lawler. Everyone's paying attention to him to see if Lawler's going to get called up this season. I would say at as at this point, it seems unlikely that they'll call him up yeah. because I think the news would have broke by now. In fact, it's past the deadline to add players. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they're going to make to the forty man roster to make a player postseason eligible. So I think like the team's going to roll with what they have. 
I wish they would. I think that he could make a a huge difference in like just like I I think he could he could provide a, a spark to the to the lineup. I'm just surprised that they like who they've rolled with. Uh, Buddy Kennedy has produced less than satisfactory results. His offense has really been non-existent. Um, Jake McCarthy, you know, he had a good night at the plate two for four in Reno, Lawler one for one for four. Yeah. I mean, he's been walking. I mean, he's not striking out the rate that he was. He's he's improved his walk rate. He's doing everything that you, you know, you want to see him do. I mean, the, the, the thing is, there's names that they could have... I mean, Jake McCarthy's postseason eligible. I think I know Kyle Lewis is too. But Jordan Lawler, I mean, in terms of middle infielders, like, that's really been... Like, like Nick Ahmed uh, has been like subpar this year for me like i think that like you'd be better off with blaze alexander or uh or lawler both i mean well i don't don't think blaze is gonna give you uh the ceiling that uh that lawler i mean that lawler have obviously but i mean he'd have probably a higher floor immediately i think but he looks ready to me well, I think we'll see Blaze in the fall league this year. Given that he's missed two months in the of the minor league yeah. season, they'll try to catch him up there with that six week schedule. But uh unless they're gonna call up Lawler, I don't think I don't see a point in getting rid of Ahmed because at least his defense will play. At least you get yeah. his defense for the postseason and most of these games you're probably gonna see Geraldo Herald- Perdoma at shortstop anyway. Yeah, that's that's certainly that's true. I mean Nick Ahmed, I do his credit has been like a and you know right like a like just slightly above average value uh from his like defense i think he's he's missing a step uh yeah, he's two runs above average defensively but overall he is uh four runs below the average player in 199 plate appearances in 0.2 yeah. baseball reference war yeah that's what yeah i'm saying he's just just barely above like a you know neutral replacement player, so I mean, like that's the thing is, like he's he's a free agent at the end of the season, so I mean, yeah, there's no point necessarily yeah. you know releasing him now. I'm surprised they didn't put him on waivers. If, I mean, if they did, I I wouldn't we wouldn't do. Even what's know the point? It's gonna, like what's the point? Point. Who's gonna take him? Yeah. I mean, do you I really want Ahmed going to the Giants? No, not really. Yeah, they probably would make a claim on him. The nephew to the. To the, I, I think that, and if you know, gets claimed, would... claimed, claimed by the Giants, a team that's desperate shortstop, now you've made yourself oh, yeah. worse and you've made an arrival top, stronger. Yeah, I mean, you could you could just put Buddy wa- Buddy Kennedy on waivers. And yeah, that's called DFA. No, not yeah. those waivers. DFA. Yeah, this uh, doesn't for assignment. I'm just not very, like, the thing is, like, the team is offensively, I think that he... Uh, it just provided like a, a fresh face and a spark in the the clubhouse and like you know young younger even younger energy that will like you know I think Nick Nick Ahmed's old old man energy is bringing well, the team down. Well, you still need your veterans. Yeah, I yeah sure. I'm just gonna call it yeah vet, yeah veteran. That's old man energy. That old man energy now is Vet- like mad bum had old man energy. And, veteran uh, presence. Team needs to move. Team needs to move on. We're just gonna start calling. I'm gonna start calling veteran presence old man energy because it's <laughs> it's a it's some BS. I mean, yes, there are 
there are players that like have, like you know really give you value and that like their presence there of this you know like especially with a lot of young young players i get why they 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 help but they have christian walker they've got like you know gallon there are other tell Marte. you've got players who've been on the team for a while that are good yeah you got uh, unfortunately, if you look at the roster, Cattell Marte is the only one who re- who played in the, at least to the division series. That's a regular. That's still yeah, a regular I mean, right now. Yeah, that's that true. 2017 NLDS. I think this team is going to get uh, like. I mean, next year I think I would actually. I, it's going to. They're going to improve just because how many young players on the team. Like they're, they're growing. It's really like it just seems like a statistical improbability that you have, like. All those pitch, all the starting pitchers that we brought up, okay, like all every, all of them are gonna if they are all bad, and then you know Corbin Carroll does not get better, uh, you know Alec Thomas does not get better, you go like down list, no one gets better, no one improves. Uh, I think it's very unlikely. I think that you can actually like pretty much bank on and some improvement and like a lot of these younger players. I think, uh one of the reasons why I favored calling up Jordan Lawler, like, you know, right at the rookie eligibility, but postseason kind of, you can get that window where he'd be on the postseason roster, but uh, still retain his rookie of the year eligibility. He, he I, I mean, the real thing is, is, is that he, it, I think he could benefit from the experience of being on the, you know, a team in a postseason run. Yes, Reno will be, more than likely in AAA uh, playoffs this year, but that's not the same thing as getting the experience of being in, you know, MLB playoffs. Because I think that they, I mean, you're much better equipped the second time around. I mean, also the problem with bringing up Lawler is you got to open up everyday playing time from that shortstop, and um, it's just a Perdomo hassle is, to do that right now because yeah, then you bump Perdomo off shortstop, and Perdomo, I think, should. And this is going to be a problem next year as well, because I think Perdomo should be in the Jace Peterson role right now. But unfortunately, I, I was just going to, I was just going to suggest that. I think that he's a much better unfortunately, student yeah. for playing all over the diamond as opposed to one particular position, especially like not necessarily shortstop, because we have two very good shortstops coming up. I mean, Jordan Lawler isn't like Nick Ahmed level defense. Uh, like no one is. Nick Ahmed. No, uh, no one I in mean, the I would, I think major leagues right now get, is that good. I think he could be a, at the very least, like a lateral move defensively right now. Uh, I mean, ideally, I, that's who I, I would start. Uh, I think I think going to be a, a negative defensive uh, value early in his career. Probably, but that's okay. His bat, his bat would provide more than enough to make up for it. So, um. Well, I guess we're going to wait and see. It's very He's playing the game right now, but then again, Reno is like literally like an hour flight so, or two-hour flight. It's really quick, so it wouldn't take him long to get here on a plane. Um, you know, more than likely, I, yeah, I would I would agree with you now. It's completely yeah, unlikely. Yeah. probably it's won't like, see him unless he wins a job out of spring training. Uh, you have the Jace Pearson and Geraldo Perdomo issue, and then – Unless Dimex could find a taker for Peterson in the offseason. Then you got to figure that out. And then 
you have to figure out, okay, how do I do third base? If Perdomo is your left-handed hitting option third base, and he's not really a conventional fit as a third baseman since his offensive style is basically yeah. on base over slug. He's an on-base guy, not necessarily a high slug. He's a nine-hole hitter. You look at the... I mean, that's, uh, that's fine, though. That's, yeah. you know, it's unconventional value. So, you know, like, he doesn't have to... It's like Mark Grayson had a lot of home runs as a first baseman, but he provided plenty of value. It's the same thing. You can have like, you know, as long as they're providing above average value from the position, you know, both defense and I, I know he'd be an above average, you know, defensively at well, first. Uh, offensively, yeah, he would not be great, but I think he'd be provide a higher than average on base uh, value than necessarily slugging is what you want to see. I mean, if you're talking about Mark Grace, that guy was a, Mark Grace was a 300 hitter for his career, 303, and in the 90s had more hits than any other player. Yeah. So that, this is a guy that hit, and hit a lot of doubles. This is a guy that had a high on base percentage, but he also he, he was a guy that I think could have hit 25 homers, but that wasn't the best version of himself at the plate, or at least in his mind, it wasn't. Oh yeah. Or John Olrude. You want a better example as a first baseman? Yeah. You know, John Olrude is I a mean, very underrated player, in my opinion. My God, yeah, we could we could geek out on John Olrud for a solid, uh, you know, hour if we really got yeah, into this. Ten minutes, Mark get Ray, bored. but you get bored with it, you know. It, I just saying, like, you know, there, you don't have to have. Like, that's the thing is that there's biases of putting players in. I mean, yes, in some cases, those like it makes sense to do so, but not necessarily. If I mean, if he, like, I, I actually. It's going to be interesting to see who ends up with third, who's playing shortstop. I mean, Cattell Marte is very much like the second baseman. Um, I think Perdomo will actually be great this, not just at, I want to put him at third. I would have him as the backup at second. I think you'd have him as a utility infielder. That's Yeah, that's exactly the role I'd be, you know, I'd be looking to have him at. Um, I don't think, I think if you're replacing Basically, I want to put Perdomo and, like you said, for Petersons and or Kennedy's. Buddy Kennedy, I just can't, man. Jordan Lawler is way better. I don't know what they're doing. They could give him Blaze Alexander the, yeah. the same chance. And I, for some reason, he's another player that the, the team hasn't really given a, a good look. And so they're like, you know, finding these fringy middle infielders. And it's not like. Is Alexander in no the lineup? Is he in? Oh, he might not be. If he's not. Might see. Jack might they be got set, Lawler. Seeing, they got Lawler Alex, at short. Well, yeah, Lawler's played short stuff in every game he's appeared in since they drafted him. No, he is. No, they got Alcantara at second. And Alexander is not in the lineup. Not in the lineup. All right, so I'm going to check yesterday's box he, score real quick, but that could be a that bench. could be a sign that if. Uh, We're going to date ourselves here, but... No, he's sitting on the bench, yeah. We're going to date ourselves here, obviously, since... For the time of the recording, and Jake McCarthy getting another hit, but... Alexander not being in the lineup for Reno could mean that he's getting promoted as the uh, extra position player for September 1st. That, That actually... I mean, I think he's earned the promotion... Like that's I that's why I've thrown Blaze Alexander out there is the guy who is like you know really you know I I thought Bobby Kennedy deserved a chance I see what you're what you know uh, what people were saying and not liking his uh, his chances of seeing at the major league level like I really don't like 
putting things out there like that, but he's been not great. Uh, but yeah, Blaze Alexander, there's a good chance he might. I'm just going to interject guy. here real quick. Uh, Alexander has not appeared in a game since August 25th. It's been oh. basically a week. Oh, I wonder if he's on. The, uh, that's interesting. So, that, so either Alexander's on the taxi squad, which I feel like would have been reported by now, or he's hurt and won't be available. So that's. Pull him up right now. Let's find out. I have his game log up from his minor league page. If you're wondering where I got where this info is coming from, so yeah, so something's up with uh, Alexander. I don't know what it is. You said I put out the two possibilities. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't. Yeah, I have no idea. But I mean, there's things like that. Is I, I th- I really think that there's sometimes like a player like uh, Jordan Lawler really benefit from being. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to prove you know, the Diamondbacks are great with. postseason favorites. Like, they could still benefit from the experience. So, yeah, looking at the Twitter and searching Blaze Alexander, nothing. Hmm. I don't know what they're doing there. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, he's not on the injured list or anything. He has no status listed. Um, so, so do you think I mean, McCarthy is the, the fort- Do you think McCarthy gets called up? Like I said, we can pull up his up-to-date Reno numbers after his most recent single in the ninth inning. Yeah, I mean, he looks like McCarthy looks like he's turning it around. I mean, I think he's kind of gotten a rut. Of bad habits. Oh, Jordan bad Lawler just homered. McCarthy and single right in front of there. So, yeah, McCarthy. Uh, so, Lawler's hitting 294 with 907 OPS in Reno. McCarthy's hitting 346 with a 939 OPS. Yeah, I would I would think that you're going to call up one of these guys. Uh, I'm not Jordan Lawler, but Jake McCarthy seems like a big guy. Haven uh, Smith, hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, I don't think they're going to call it Haven, but like Kyle Lewis is also like he's mashed every all the whole time he's been. Well, they, they already gave Kyle Lewis an opportunity not too long ago, and yeah. he didn't do too well. He didn't do much. He didn't do much with it. I. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, when he, the guy has he's going well, he can really contribute. But he hasn't. Yeah, I see. What, I I don't. I really don't know what like if they want to like boost from the minor leagues. Like that would be the move I would make. Is call Waller, uh, maybe McCarthy, uh, Blaze Alexander. I don't know. What's, I mean, that would be the other guy that I'd call up. If you're just gonna pick one, I guess that would be uh, probably Blaze or Jake McCarthy. Um, yeah. It, Although I'm not, we're not entirely sure if Blaze is healthy enough to get. Yeah, I have no idea. It'll be opportunity. In the hypothetical, he if he was, then uh, that that would be the guy that I would tap into. He's he's uh, definitely uh, he's I think much better defensively than Buddy Kennedy or uh, any other guys that we've slotted in the third this year. Uh, he's much better third baseman and shortstop. So since um, we're talking about the extra player, what who do you think would be an option to be called up? Justin Martinez is not eligible to be recalled unless it's to replace an injured player. 
So if we look at the 40-man roster, which I'm going to pull up on my other monitor, you can look at uh, the D-backs 40-man roster. So Luis, Fre- I would have to check Frias, and then Tyler Gilbert's an option, Ryan Nelson, Carlos Vargas, and Peter Strzelecki. Oh, Strzelecki. I keep forgetting there's a Z in there. Yeah, you know, none of those, I have no idea what to make of pitching stats. You know, like, I, I don't like, I'll, like, I've been looking at tonight, it's like, hold <laughs> on, like, let's see, like, Shazaki gave up three home, three, uh, three runs. Uh, Tyler, yeah, all the, yeah, not good results. So, yeah, Frias was optioned to Reno on the 17th. And then Tyler Gilbert was, it's okay. Nelson would be eligible to be recalled. He was optioned on August 13th. And then Tyler Gilbert was optioned on the 19th, so he's not eligible to be recalled yet because the 15 days has not passed. Yeah. Strezlecki was optioned on the 20th, so he's not eligible either. Martinez not eligible for recall. And September 1st is the 15th day for... Luis Frias. Yeah, I don't see any names other than like is Ryan Nelson eligible? Did you say he wasn't or he was? Uh, Ryan Nelson. Nelson would be eligible for recall, but then the question is, do you do that? I mean, because Nelson's a starter. I think it would be helpful (laughs) having him on the roster. I don't know how much um, helpful you can. Are you going to put Slade in the bullpen? I mean, at that point, you might as well have Bryce Jarvis do with the same role. I mean, really, I don't know who's had good enough results uh, to really justify recalling others. Like, I mean, really, that's the thing. Is are any is anyone really an improvement right now? That's really uh, what we're talking about. Like, right now. Would you consider giving Nabil – would you consider giving Krizmat another opportunity? You'd have to add him to the 40-man roster, but – No. You gotta add to the forty man roster, then I mean that requires a move. I mean um, then you got you got like a multi inning guy. I mean at it's, that point you're you're arguing you know like the same thing of why you wouldn't like is Jordan Lawler's on the forty man roster or no? I mean if you gotta call him up and that's the argument against that, then you might as well just like call up him or you know, make any other you know, much like a a, a more worthwhile move. I don't think there really is one, honestly. And uh, considering the third base vortex, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, well, you could pop. Well, you've been ranting about Kennedy on multiple times on the show. Maybe you would bump him off the 40 man as a potential 40 yeah. man roster bump off. But there's a couple players on the 40 man roster you can consider dumping off. Yeah, there's certainly like there. Although Luis Frias is definitely a guy, if you DFA, he's going to get claimed on waivers. Yeah. I mean, Frias is probably the guy, like, I would I would recall if you had to like you put a gun yeah in head, I, like, that would be if he's eligible to That's recall September first or they could just yeah. call up someone for a couple days and then bring up Frias yeah something like that would be the only real move that would be somewhat of an improvement I mean it's, it seems like it's uh, hopefully like we're gonna have we have three more tough games ahead. Um, Against yeah. the the we're seeing playing the Orioles next and like yeah. we just 
it's really I, I don't know I don't really know how to feel about this team's playoff chances. Um, they can, like I said, you win Baltimore series, you gain it. You're down 60, 71 and 66. And this wild card spot, it might only take 85 wins to get there. Cause there's no, there's, yeah. between the teams like Chicago already has bumped their way back in there, but obviously D backs controller fade against Chicago and San Francisco to some degree. I think, like I said, you said it before the D backs still control their destiny for the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, no, I'm just saying if, the, or if they get swept by the Orioles, I really and make yeah. it a much more complicated picture. And I really I think that's like really you can't judge if the what their chances are until really we get through the Orioles series. This is the toughest part of this entire uh, final stretch. I mean, it will get a little easier. They control they really do control their destiny going forward from there. But the Orioles and Dodgers are just uh, two giants this year in terms of like, I mean the only team that could that would be worse to face is the Braves. So well, the backs have already had their fill against the Braves. Somehow went three and three, but it feels like they should have gone five and one against yeah. the Braves. They're unlucky they didn't. They, you know, but the weird thing about baseball is you have a team like the Braves are obviously a much better team, and you know that you know it doesn't always look that way when they're playing it. Like you know earlier this year, Diamondbacks looked you know, better than the Dodgers. Not so much now. Yeah, uh, yeah but I, I, that's the thing. I, I don't even know what moves you would make if the season's really over right now. After it's not quite decided. I think the next week is going to absolutely decide if we even have a chance of sniffing the postseason. Next two weeks. Uh, two weeks, really. But I think if we get swept by the Orioles, I'd stick a, stick a fork in it and they're done. If they can be competitive, they take two of three at least. Yeah. They have to win uh, that they're going to have to win that series. If they don't win that series, I really, I don't like their chances. So like, that's where I'm kind of like on the edge of how I feel about the team right now. Um, the Orioles are a really good team too. So we'll, they're much, they've got, they've assembled a crazy amount of talent. Hopefully we can uh, pick ourselves up. The team can put, put themselves back together after being curb stomped by the Dodgers. Uh, it's very kind of this, like what? Whether that's why I, I, you know, I, I talk about bringing up young players like that, like Lawler or whatever, just because I think it, it can inject uh, some new energy into the the clubhouse, and maybe that helps. I don't know. Um, just about like wrap up or not yet. Like, Let's talk about one more thing. <clears throat> so say, uh, today, Acuna. Last episode, we talked about Mookie Betts being the MVP front runner. The other MVP front runner, Ronald Acuna Jr., just became the first major league player to have a 30 home run, 60 stolen base season when he picked up his 30th home run against the Dodgers tonight. Uh, Dodgers on August 31st. So, I'm what's sur- I'm surprised it's never been done. Well, we look at some of the top. T- uh, obviously, I don't think Barry Barry Bonds ever stole sixty bases. Mays probably didn't either. Ricky never hit that many home runs. Ricky never hit that many home runs. I mean, it's still, yeah, it's surprising. Yeah, it's really surprising that it's never that's never been accomplished. Or at least maybe in like the earlier years of you know, like a, you know, a post war era when there was the power and speed combo still running around. Or like May, yeah, I'm surprised it never happened. Uh, has there been very the make, the, has there been any forty forty season since two thousand six? The last one I thought was 
Ray, Jose Reyes or Alvary. Reyes so, never hit that many home runs. Jose Reyes had a had a he had a forty forty season, 30, 30 season season. Jose Reyes never hit thirty homers in a season. I don't even know if he hit twenty. Who am I thinking of? Someone had a, a crazy stolen base season. Lots All right, so we'll power. look. So while what? Oh, we'll look up. Uh, I was looking at this on the speed power combo of like what Corbin Carroll could do. I mean, Corbin Carroll is. I mean, his accomplished. We talked about that before, but I, uh, the 20, 20, 20, 40, he could be the third, the the thirty fifty. He's a guy who looks like. I mean, Corbin Carroll looks like he could do it too. Yeah, Carroll could be the second player he, to pull that off. So if you look at forty forty seasons all time. There are only four such seasons in the history of baseball. First time happened in 1988, Jose Canseco with Oakland. Next one was 1996, Barry Bonds with San Francisco. Also led the league in intentional walks. And then uh, Alex Rodriguez did it in 1998 with Seattle in his age 22, 22 season. With the most combined home runs and stolen bases, and then Sor- Soriano was the last player to do that with yeah. the Washington Nationals in 2006. That's who I was thinking of, is Soriano. Yeah, uh, yeah. So no, it was it's actually- a weird thing. It's just like kind of odd that it's never like did it that. I don't know. We haven't seen as many stolen bases in the last 20 years, so that's probably a big part of it. All right, so we'll change. So if we change the filters thing, well, you want to try 30-50? Yeah. So there's never so a forty forty season. There's never been more than forty two stolen bases for that group. Yeah. So we're gonna see if there's a thirty fifty season. Obviously, Ronald Acuna Jr. is on that list. So it's the two 30, players 40. that thirty fifty. So the other two players to do it: Eric Davis in nineteen eighty seven. That's when we talk. And Jack talks about Eric Davis as maybe one of the biggest what if careers with Cincinnati. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. of course. uh the ult the uh, is on every exclusive list for being awesome. Barry Bonds with Pittsburgh in 1990 he had a 3352 season. Yeah, I, I'm just it's, I thought. Yeah, that's the closest. Then, yeah, very good. And of course, Acuna just joined that list today. Yes, he's in good company. I think he's in a very good argument for you know like this count. Like we said, we're talking about counting stats with him before. Uh, Mookie Betts. I don't I think mean, Betts will get he there. Probably has a, uh, Betts has a better argument for. I'm mean, talking about MVP. Who who I go with? I go with Betts. But I mean, Acuna is having arguably just as good, like almost as good of a year. So yeah, Mookie's stolen. Mookie Betts has only ever stolen thirty bases once in his career, and that was 2018. That Trout is the same same deal. Yeah, and then Trout had a 30-40 season as well. So do you think Carroll will be at some point in his career will join the 30-50 list? He's not that far off from it right now. I mean, he had a hot. He's like one hot month away from being a member of that club. As a rookie. As a rookie, that's like that's I, that if I if the Diamondbacks don't make the postseason, I would I would be I would take that as a consolation prize. So yeah, if you look at Corbin Carroll right now, he's at twenty three home runs and forty one stolen bases. Yeah, it's like. A hot month away. I mean, he probably won't hit that exactly. many home, home runs, but he can easily do the stolen bases even in like a week. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, like Carroll's only hot, one. Carroll's only one hot month away from being putting together the greatest rookie season in D-backs history by B War. Like I said, Webb is at six point one. Carroll with how many games we got? Twenty eight games to play is at four point nine. He's basically at five. Yeah, he's he's gonna five wars. He might he'd be. He, I mean, really, he's a hot a hot month away from being uh, one of the. I mean, he's been running running away with rookie of the year. Yeah, I mean that, that that speed power thing. I think we're gonna see a lot more of it. Yeah, like just going like, with the rule changes and all that. I think we're gonna we'll, see more members of those clubs. But, I mean, you still need uh, a transcendent talent to hit that many homers and steal that many bases because usually it's yeah, one or the other for a lot of players. You got to be a real athlete. I think in in the farm system, the only guy that I would really give that kind of like uh, has the potential ceiling. to do something like that is, is, is Christian Robinson. If he hit his ceiling, he's that kind of player too. You don't think Drew Jones could do it if he hits the ceiling? Oh, Drew. Yeah, I totally forgot about Drew Jones. Yeah, <laughs> I Drew thought Jones, you were going to say Jones. Drew Jones. Drew Jones would be the other one. Like, those are two players, and just in terms of pure athleticism, speed, power. Uh, if they have like they reach like their hundredth percentile, yeah, uh, that's pretty much what we're we're talking about. The guys who could be like uh, I see more power from Christian Robinson, but like more stolen bases from Drew Jones. That makes sense. I think Christian Robinson has more natural power due to his build. I mean, they're, they got a similar height weight, but Robinson obviously a lot more has a Drew Jones is a lot more wiry than Robinson is. Yeah. If you compare the two, however, I think uh, Jones has superior bat speed. Yeah, that's, that's the thing I think, but the, I mean, in terms of just like, if we're talking about Diamondbacks prospects, who would be a member of that list? Those are the two guys. Jordan Lawler has a good chance of being like a, like at least a, like a 20, 20, 30 guy or maybe, maybe 20, 40. Well, last year back to have a 20, 40 season was Bur- obviously Corbin Carroll, but before him, Eric Burns. I think it might've been Eric Burns. Yeah. AJ Paul came pretty close. I think he had a 20, 39 season. Reggie in Sanders 15. in, in uh, Oh one had a, I, think, I know homers. he had thirty. Yeah, he had thirty-three home runs. Like he, he was pretty close to being. Uh, they only had like this. He was terrible at stealing bases pop. that year. Fourteen oh, twenty-four. Yeah, right. Yeah, he was not very. If he was just a better stolen base, uh, yeah. threat, that would be you know. But Reggie Sanders. I was saying uh, Reggie Sanders wasn't a big, wasn't an efficient base stealer. Yeah, that's the main. That was the main drawback there. But there's not a lot of players like that that we really have that speed power so yeah because you I got i see a lot more of it you got power with christian walker you got speed with mccarthy kind of thing so that's pretty much uh like i said you have one or the other so anyway that's going to wrap up today's episode I, if you enjoyed it make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave a like comment down below if you think the d-backs can rebound against the baltimore orioles you're watching on if you're listening to the podcast on audio we recommend that you check out the youtube cha- channel when you have a chance like i said we have additional video content beyond just the podcast and its individual segments but also some sh- also some shorts content from at the ballpark that have been we've been working on sending recently anyways you can follow me at twitter at mike mcdmlb you can follow wes at at fire wesley so we're gonna take I use off my for- name. I'm easy to find. 
You're not easy to find in a search, believe it or not. Really? I'm the only... Why well, I use my, my first... But the C in my name stands for Clayton, but no one calls me Clayton. And please yeah. don't ever call me Clayton. So yeah. have a wonderful whatever day, night, evening, whenever you're watching this, people, and then like, subscribe. Hit that notification bell. Michael always forgets to say it, but I don't. So you don't forget. Uh, hit it right now. <laughs>